How many know you got a purpose? Make some noise. Come on. Say amen if you believe it. Woo! I want to tell you guys, I'm so happy that you're here. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm happy that you're here. Tell somebody. Oh, I'm so excited. How many are excited about the fall? Any fall people in this place? How many are shedding a little tear because the summer is leaving? Some of you are summer birds like me. I am definitely a summer bird. I'm so happy that you're here. We're going to keep preaching the gospel, rain, sun, snow, either way. We're going to keep going. And we want you to keep coming with us, growing with us at this time. So open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians 1:15. We are in a sermon series on the book of Ephesians. So if you're new, all you have to do to catch up is start reading Ephesians. We have been going verse by verse through this wonderful book. It's Paul's letter to the people of Ephesus, which was a city at that time. And this letter really encourages us to know about being in Christ, in God, God being in us and us being in him. Today we're going to talk about wisdom and revelation. Somebody say wisdom and everybody say revelation. Thank you. Wisdom and revelation are two components of Paul's messages that come out quite a bit. Today, I did not have the opportunity to show you all the places that Paul uses the word wisdom and revelation in this book and in the other books that he's written, but go and take that on as assignment if you choose to grow in your understanding of how Paul used wisdom and revelation. It's a great study. But I do want to encourage you to read the book of Ephesians every week, and at the very minimum, read the passage we're reading. This is what I'm going to read to you right now. It literally only takes seconds. The entire book takes 20 minutes. How many believe reading your Bible is important? Can I hear an amen? Okay, thank you. Read your Bible. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, Paul is writing. He says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So we call this Paul's prayer. Paul is praying for the people of Ephesus, and he's saying, What inspires me to pray for you is your faith in God and your love for people. How many want that to be your testimony? If I was to talk about you to others. Wouldn't you want me to say about your family, the Sienskis? I love praying for them because they have faith in God and they love people. The Lopez's, they love God and they have faith in him. They're loving people. And Paul said here, I cannot stop giving thanks for you. How many know I shouldn't stop giving thanks for you? I shouldn't take this for granted that you come here every week or that you go to our many life groups. We have more people going to life groups on average and even coming to our services. Last a month, we had 270 attendees at life groups. Can I hear an amen? God is growing the church. And so we never want to stop giving thanks for you, whether it's our Wednesday night kids programs or Friday night youth group, the adult Bible studies, the family life group meeting today. I mean, isn't this church cool? The marriage life group that met last week. All of these wonderful things for single moms and for the young people to have their own teenage life groups. Some of them meet back here on our porch, having more than 20 young people showing up. Isn't that awesome? And I don't ever want to stop giving thanks for you. I don't want to stop giving thanks for what you're doing for the Lord in this church. And that's what Paul was saying. And you shouldn't stop giving thanks for God, uh, God's blessings in your life. Now let's read the passage that we'll be studying today, verse 17, 1, 2, 3. I keep asking... 
For Lord Jesus Christ, come on, the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Thank you. Understand this. Paul is praying that they may know God better. He reveals who God is right here. God is the Father. God is the Son, Jesus Christ. And God is the Spirit. Not three gods or three parts of God. One God, one divine being shared by three distinct persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Paul prays that you would know him better. And that is my prayer for you today. So I hope that you uh, brought your snorkeling gear, that you brought your swim trunks, because we're going into the deep waters of the Holy Ghost. We are going to take a trip on the glory ship today. We are going to experience new things in God because that's the prayer of Paul. That's the prayer of Jesus that they may know him and be found in him in John 17. And certainly that is my prayer today, that you would know him better. And from knowing God, you would know yourself better. If you don't know God, you can't know yourself. If you don't know God, you can't know your purpose or the purpose for anything in life. God and the knowledge of God gives you the purpose for marriage. Can I hear an amen? God and his knowledge about him give you the purpose for your children. How many want families or have a good family? Say amen. God gives you the purpose for your job and your career. Come on, say amen. How many believe God gives the purpose for government and for economy? Say amen. God gives us the purpose for community and friendship and hobbies. Even if your hobbies is to watch two dudes beat each other up all night, you know. I couldn't even make it to the, the first fight. I was checking with Ish. When does this thing start? I'm trying to find updates online. You know, and I'll just tell you what. These are the things we enjoy in life, but if we don't have God in the middle of these things, they're shallow. They're empty. The party ends. The fight ends. The money is spent. The friends go away. The children grow up and get old. You find yourself in a nursing home sipping your soup out of a straw. Come on, somebody. Don't want to depress you today but that's life. And if God isn't the reason for your life, you will find through the stages of your life a lot of hardships, a lot of needless oppression of emotions because you haven't learned to trust God. Amen. Some people I have already married or already have had their divorce. Isn't that sad? I'm a young pastor, so you know they haven't been married that long. They're already divorced. Some of the youth that I had in the youth group, I want all the teenagers to look up at me. Some of them have already died and are buried right now. Isn't that sad that some of the youth, I've already outlived them because they were running the streets doing those kinds of things. I'm telling you what, life is short. You don't have tomorrow. The past is gone. You don't have the future. That's why today is called the present. Enjoy the present. It's a gift of God. Amen. Paul keeps on praying. He says in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Paul is saying, I want your eyes to be open. I want you to get woke on the inside so you can be enlightened to the hope that God has for you. The reason why today we have so many problems in our culture is because we're 
we're being told we're animals. We came from the goo through the zoo to you. We're being told there's different races. My friends, there aren't different races. There's one human race. And Jesus, it doesn't matter if he's white, black, pink, or purple, he died and his blood was red and it covers every single one of us. And he rose again to make a new humanity. He died for our sins and rose for our new humanity. Does that take away our obligation to treat each other right? No, it doesn't. But if you aren't woke to the fact there's only one race, the human race, you talking about the black race, the white race, the La Rasa, you're already in sin and you have no hope. There's no hope for those who see different races in the land. The first thing we must do is have our eyes open to one human race. In the Garden of Eden, he didn't make an Asian race and then make a black race and then make a white race. Are you listening? He made Adam and even from them every people group has come. And we don't call them races. We call them ethnos. That's the Greek word and Jesus used it. And that means nations and people groups. And so people groups need to change each other with respect. But listen to me, my friends. It's been a problem in all nations. In Rwanda, the Hutu and the Tutsis, genocidal maniacs, they killed each other up in words of a million people. In Cambodia with Pol Pot, he killed his own people. Stalin killed 50 million of his own people. The Aztec and Mayans killed hundreds of thousands and rid indigenous peoples of their, of their land. Are you listening to me? Greeks did it. Romans did it. Africans did it. Egyptians did it. Jesus is the only one that says it is finished. Salvation belongs to him. Now there's no more Jew or Greek or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. All are in Christ. It is finished. Get in the finished work of God. Amen? Get in the finished work of God. So there's a hope beyond the scope of human limitation. And there's a glorious inheritance. And I want everyone to get this as well. There is not going to be one Christian on Judgment Day, when everything is said and done, that's going to shake their fist at God and say, I'm not happy with the life you gave me. There won't be one person up there complaining about what their parents did or didn't do. There won't be one people group up there saying, well, my nation stunk and I lived in a poor country or our governor was a, or our government was dictatorship. There is nobody on judgment day that's going to shake their fist at God and say, I hated my life and it wasn't worth it. Every single one of us, after going through the trials and tests that we have faced, every single one of us will say, it is worth it. And God, I'll go through a hundred more of those just to know you better. See, some of you are looking for a ticket to heaven to get you out of here, and God wants to bring heaven in you and bring it here. And he wants to show you through every pain, every darkness, that his light is greater, healing is greater than sickness. He's wanting to show us that everything we go through is for a purpose. There's a pain in the purpose. See, a lot of us want to get to heaven, and heaven wants to come to earth. And so you need to look at your life right now from heaven's perspective. Think of it like this. I've told this story before. Right now, we may see all the pain of our life like like pictures being draped down. And we may see what our parents did to us. We may see what our friends did to us. And at this side of eternity, all we see is all the pain. But from heaven's perspective, we, we can see it from his point of view through the cross. We could see that what was pain had a 
purpose and it glorifies God and shows us how great God is. And so when we get to that side of heaven, we won't see it from the side of pain. We'll see it from the side of purpose. Are you listening? When people looked at the cross, they saw a lonely man dying, but heaven saw earth getting saved. When people looked at Joseph being thrown in a pit, put into Potiphar's house, into prison, they saw another man rejected, busted, and disgusted, but God saw a nation being saved. And I want to tell you right now, you may look at yourself in the mirror and only see the natural, but God sees the supernatural, and everything that you go through is going to be worth it, and there's a glorious inheritance. Do you believe it? See, that will put a pep in your step if you believe it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all. Verse 19 says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is on the inside of us. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him with him in the heavenly places, exerted when he raised him, seated him in the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. Somebody say, bring it, Jesus. Amen. There's an age to come, whether the governments want it or not. Every knee shall bow. Buddha's knees has already bowed. Hindu gods and or, or these Hindu gurus' knees have already bowed. Muhammad's knees have bowed. Gandhi's knees have bowed. Are you listening? Joseph Smith, the founder of the uh, of the Mormon Church, knees bowed. How many of you have bowed your knees, though? Amen. Here it is. You bow your knee now. You get to be in the kingdom to come. You don't do it now. You're forced to bow, and you're kicked out of that kingdom. Make a decision now to serve God. He is worth it, and God is going to come and reward us. This is the prayer of Paul. Get this in your mind. This is an amazing prayer. Those of us who don't feel confident how to pray, or even just some of us who feel like we get stuck, we need to go back to these prayers and just pray them and get the revelation. Pray that God will give us the hope beyond the scope of human limitation. Pray that God will put in our heart the riches of his inheritance that are waiting for us on the other side of eternity. That God would inspire us by the power of the Holy Spirit to live meaningful lives upon this earth, establishing his kingdom, knowing that he has all authority and all power. And then look at the next part of this prayer. He says in verse 22, and God placed how many things? Come on, thank you, all things under Christ's feet and appointed him to be head over how many things? Thank you over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now get this in your heart today. God says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. There's only one organization that God is building right now and that's the church. Nations have come and gone. The church has remained. Do you see any Caesars walking around right now? Do you see the senators of Rome? Hello? Nothing but old uh, ruins now there in that part of the world, but the church is thriving here today. Do you see the Greek Empire? Do you see the Egyptian Empire? Come on. Do you see the Ottoman Empire? I want to tell you something right now. You better get with Jesus and his church because that's the only thing that's going to remain. And if what you do in this life is for his church and his kingdom, you'll be rewarded for it. So let me just tell you this. When Steve Jobs made this computer, he didn't do it for the glory of God. He didn't give God his rightful glory. Now God gave him the brain. Where did Steve Jobs get his brain from, himself or from God? All the oxygen, all of the, plant, all of the resources of our planet, did Steve Jobs give that to himself or did God give that to him? 
All of his inventive ideas to come up with creative products, did he come up with those himself or did God give him them? Okay, did he give the glory back to God? No, he was a fool. We don't know his soul. He might have repented, so we don't know if he's in heaven and hell, but we can judge his fruit based on his confessions and based on what he did. That way leads to destruction. And so today, my friends, does he have anything to show for what he did upon this earth? No, he doesn't. He doesn't have one thing to show for it. But if there was a Christian there in Silicon Valley, we need to pray for more to be there. And a Christian worked on these computers. Is he going to be rewarded in the kingdom to come? Yes, he is. If there was a Christian there that was giving their tithe off the money he was getting from Apple or she was getting from Apple, is God going to bless that person in the kingdom to come? So who really wins in the end? Steve Jobs, the owner of Apple, or that janitor that was whistling while they worked, doing it unto the Lord, or that programmer? See, who wins? in the end are those who are with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't get it twisted, my friends. We win in the end. God is with us. Look at your neighbor and say, I want you to be a winner. Thank you. Now that we understand Paul's prayer, we're going through it verse by verse. We've talked about faith and love, giving thanks to God. Today we're talking about wisdom and revelation. In the weeks to come, we'll talk about being enlightened to hope and to his glorious inheritance and to his power. We'll magnify his name in that sermon when we learn about him being the name above every name. We'll talk about him being the head of the church and ending this prayer with talking about God filling everything in every way. What I want you to do now is look at these definitions with me because I've got a wonderful place to go. We're going to be like John. Jacques Cousteau. Look at your neighbor and say, we got to go like Jacques Cousteau <laughs> to the deeper things of the Lord. I tried to make Lord rhyme with Cousteau, but I'm, I'm struggling up here. But we better be ready now because this is what Paul's prayer was. Paul's prayer was that we would have wisdom and revelation to know him better. Now, let me ask you this again before I get spiritual on you. If I know God better and I have the revelation of who he is and his wisdom, will I do life better? Will I be a better doctor? Will I be a better mom, a father, a, a, a husband, or whatever you're supposed to be in life? Will you be better at life if you put God first? See, the thing is, my friends, you are brought up in a dark time right now, in a dark age, and you think that this is the way it is. You're maybe confused by the people you see on the Science Channel as if they've done really any good in the world. And my friends, they haven't. The, the leaders of the scientific revolution, Copernicus and Bacon, who exactly who invented the exact method scientists use today, the induction method, the scientific method, were all Christians. Sir Isaac Newton, who discovered the laws of physics, which everybody now builds upon, even including Einstein, was a Christian. The greatest artists, and I'm not talking about people pooping in a bag and putting it in an L.A. art gallery. I'm talking about real art came through the Renaissance. Are you listening to me? I'm talking about every single college you would want your children to go to were founded by and for Christians. Harvard, Princeton, Yale, Oxford, all of them were established by Christians. The greatest nation on the earth, which you are a part of, was established by Christians. For better or for worse, it was the Christian God that they are that were serving and that we are serving still to this day. And thank God for his mercy that we can change and make wrong things right. Amen? And so if you have any thought in your mind that you can be wise and have revelational insight to life without God, you are a fool. 
You are a fool. The Bible says those who hear the words of Jesus and do not put them into practice are fools. They are foolish builders who build their life on sand. And when storms come, great is the crash of their lives. The wise people, everybody say the wise guy. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, are you a wise guy? You want to be a wise woman, a wise man? The Bible says build your house on the words of God, and when the storms come, your house will remain. So once again, what leader do you want me to take as an example? I use Steve Jobs. I can use presidents. I can do whatever you want me to do to make this clear to you so we can move on past this point. Maybe one more will do good for you. President Donald Trump, listen to me. If he does not serve Jesus in this lifetime, if he is not born again, and I question that, he is. So I don't think for my sake, I see the fruit of of salvation. When he dies, will he have anything to show for his life? No, it doesn't matter if he borrowed the wisdom of God, if he borrowed the resources of God. It doesn't matter in the end. So if you would be quick to point your finger at Donald Trump and say, in the end, this goes away, then you need to be careful about your own life because in the end, this goes away for you too. If you're not building your life upon the rock of Jesus Christ, upon the revelation of who he is, then what you are doing is literally, by definition, meaningless. There is no meaning to it. You may think, well, I'm a great parent right now, and I don't go to church very much, Pastor. Listen, after you die, you will go to hell. God will continue existing uh, without you. If your children accept him, they will be in the kingdom without you. They will forget you, Mom. They will forget you, Dad. Trust me, no one in the kingdom of God will be missing you there. And as you are in hell, you will be there not because you were a good dad. You will be there because you made fathering, mothering your idol, and you put that before God, and you never felt you needed the revelation to the purpose of why you were put here or the wisdom on how to. To do it. Does that make sense? Let me give you one more example because I don't know if you're convinced yet. It doesn't matter if you gain the whole world and its wealth. You only have it for a certain time. The Bible says that is a fool's trade. You hear a lot of times about Snoop Dogg in my generation trading his soul for stardom and these different things. Who knows if they're true? Bone Thugs and Harmony, I heard, did the same thing. Elvis Presley was said to do the same thing. Even the Beatles at one point or another were said to have traded their souls for stardom. I don't know if it's true. But my friends, they were a fool nonetheless. Because even if you gained the entire world, literally, you were the king of the world. And if they made statues about of you like they did of the pharaohs of Egypt, or they built cathedrals and coliseums like they did for Rome, listen to me, in the end, you lose it all. God takes it all back from you, and you have nothing to show for it. Therefore, we need to heed the prayer of Paul. Paul prayed for his people, and I am praying the same prayer for these people here today, you and for myself, that we would know God, that we would have his wisdom and his revelation. And what is wisdom? Wisdom is the application of knowledge, good judgment. So that in all that you do, you do it as unto the Lord. You have wisdom in being a good mother. All that you do unto the Lord in wisdom as a good mother, you'll be rewarded for in the kingdom to come. Remember Steve Jobs, if he didn't do it for God, he's in hell and you'll have rewards. If President Trump didn't do it, you'll be ruling and reigning with Christ, but he'll be in hell. If Hillary Clinton doesn't 
repent, she'll be in hell. Are you listening to me? And those of us here who are just small little people in the world, unknown by most, we will be great in the kingdom to come. And then the next thing is, is that the revelation that Jesus gives to us is he makes known to us the secrets of the world. And that's the problem with most of us here today. We think we know it all. You think you understand everything because you've heard it once or twice. And that's the problem of why we stink at life is because we stink at being having revelation from God. I'm going to give that to you again. The reason why many of you stink at your job is because you stink at seeing Christ on your job. The reason why your marriage stinks is because you stink at being a Christian in your marriage. The reason why your family stinks is because you stunk at letting God be in your family. You stink at a nation. As a nation, we stink like this before God is because we have stunk before him in the relationship we have with him. We're aborting our children. We don't know genders. We're allowing garbage to be put across our airways. Are you listening to me? And so to the revelation you have of God is to the revelation you'll have of yourself and the purpose he has for you on this life. So if we stop trusting in God and start trusting in money, money will never satisfy. We stop trusting in God and start trusting in sex, sex will never satisfy. We stop getting the revelation, the light coming on, the switches going on about why we're here and the truth about our very purpose, we will be as depressed as we are right now, as angry and as violent as we are right now, and as busted and disgusted in debt, tore up from the floor up as we are right now. Jesus said, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Also the prophet said, Haggai, that without revelation, the people perish. If you don't know why you are here, you will miss the entire purpose of what God is trying to do through you. And what I ask you to do, if you ever take this lightly, that you somehow think that you don't need God, I ask you just to look at one of these apps that I have for my children to learn the anatomy of the body and the brain and the nervous system and really just look at it and have an idea, this is who you are. And why is God mindful of you? Why does he care about you, this little creature, a speck of dust upon this planet? Oh, to God that you would know your frailty, that you are literally a blade of grass on his creation. You are nothing but a vapor of smoke here today and gone tomorrow. Your own great-grandchildren will forget you a 100 years from now like you have forgotten your great-grandparents. If I paid you $100, you couldn't tell me five facts about them, let alone your great-great-grandparents. Are you listening to me? You are nothing but, the Bible says, a worm upon this earth. And yet God treats you with care and compassion. He is kind to you. And the Bible says you're made in his image. And that you were made for glory. And that you're more than just that worm of dirt, made of dirt going back to dirt, that you are special to God. You see, that's the wisdom that Paul is praying for. That's why when you put the bobo of this world in your mouth and you let the world just keep force-feeding you all the junk of its lust and its sin, you become numb to really who you are. Mayweather is worth nothing in the kingdom of God. Our presidents are worth nothing but dust. The greatest of our singers, the greatest of our talent, all you have to do is just go a few miles from space and look down upon the earth and we're nothing but a marble of our solar system. 
And yet the Bible says he cares for us. He speaks to us. He's willing to indwell us and make our bodies his temple. Oh, to God that we would go back into our jobs, go back into our communities, go back into our lives with that humility. God, I need you to make me a great doctor today. God, I need you to make me a great teacher today. From the baker to the candlestick maker, God, reveal yourself to me here and give me your wisdom. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for governments to put their hands upon Bibles and swear as if they meant it, to open up the governmental sessions with the chaplains that are in place and to pray for God's mercy upon our land, for our leaders in business to not trust in the dollar, but to trust in the God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. That moms and dads wouldn't take it upon themselves to think they can be good moms and dads without God. How easily we are tricked. How many moms and dads now are accepting homosexuality in their children's lives? Because they have no wisdom or revelation. They perish. How many now are actually starting to believe that there is no God? We become fools upon his own earth. It would be no different for a man to be locked in a solitary confinement, to not see the sun, and after a certain amount of time for him to scribble upon his jail cell, there is no sun. No, my friend, you are in darkness. That's why you don't see it. But the sun is shining as bright as it ever has. My friends, you're in folly, but wisdom is still crying aloud, saying, come eat and get my wisdom. You are without light. And Jesus is saying to all of us, I will reveal light to you of everything that is in darkness. What are the things that we need to have God reveal to us? We need God to reveal to us the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. As Paul was praying, the very nature of God Elsewhere, we hear that the gospel is important for us to meditate on and to learn. And then we learn that we also need to have the revelation and the wisdom to know that Christ is within us. Christ is dwelling within us as a temple, and we need to see the kingdom to come. Now, I want you to understand this, my friends. Most of you may be like me and think you can give quite a simple explanation to these things. So these are not really the things that you need to think about. Pastor, I understand the Trinity. What I need to think about is a cure for cancer. Pastor, I understand the gospel, but what I need to do is think about remodeling my house. And I am telling you, without your mind set on the Trinity, the gospel, Christ in you, the kingdom to come, there will be no medical breakthroughs. There will be no technological breakthroughs. There will be no blessed families, no blessed nation, until we set our heart and mind upon these things. The cure to cancer will come through your meditation upon these things. Y'all ain't getting it. The cure to cancer comes through the meditation upon the Trinity. Some of y'all don't believe that. I know some of you are struggling with that because you think that this is make-believe, but it's not. The scientific revolution did not happen in any other worldview except the Christian worldview. No other worldview except the Christian worldview. We invented the scientific movement. We invented hospitals. There were some things being done by the Greeks and Romans, but it was the Christians who developed the entire system of what you know now as the medical field and hospital care. The entire field of universities, the entire field of study. Greeks were sitting around staring at their belly buttons just trying to get food and water, and Christians developed the entire technological age. 
you will not get around this. Every little thing that Steve Jobs did here was built upon Christians. This is nothing in the world to come. You think right now, there was times when people used to say all the things had already been invented. You think it is over? This is nothing 20 years from now. This is nothing. And I am tired of the ungodly borrowing from Christian revolutions and Christian ideas. I am tired of artists borrowing from every technique they learned from the Christians. Every technique they learned from us. And now, my friends, it is time for you to take it back. It is time for you to set your eyes upon the God that you worship and take back every spear of the arts. It is time for you to set your heart upon the gospel and take back everything in this country right now in Jesus' name. And we won't do it by force. Do you know how we'll do it? By our inventions and our ideas, and they'll hand the keys over to us. There is nobody in the Chinese dynasties that were arguing with Copernicus. There was nobody arguing with Francis Bacon. There was nobody arguing with the Industrial Revolution. And when it was time to go to war, there was nobody arguing with the American soldier. We built the greatest civilization based upon these principles. And this is nothing. This is nothing. My friends, all we have done is these phony scientists have stood upon the shoulders of the godly and are now slapping our God in the face with the discoveries that they had. All these artists are doing are taking the talents that we gave them in the Christian church, and now they're using it for worldly purposes. All that the people do in this world with the freedom that they have, the reason why they're not wearing a swastika or the reason why they're not one of the hundred wives of a Mayan king is because of a Christian worldview. And now they want to take it and throw it back in your face and say it's done nothing for them. My friends, I'm not saying Christians have always acted like Christians, but this is the only way we got out of slavery was meditating upon this. This is the only way Booker T. Washington got out. This is the only way. Are you listening to me? This is the only way that you get out of whatever mess you are in. If anyone today seeks first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, things will be added unto you. You don't know the Trinity like you think you do. You need to start taking time to pray and meditate upon the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You don't know the gospel like you think you do. My friends, I know I got saved 20 plus years ago, but today I know the gospel more than I ever have before. And there are things in my heart that I wish you could feel and understand because I can't even put them into words. I can't even put it into words what it's like riding my bicycle, seeing a woman in her 60s with blonde hair walking, and within a moment, God tells me, that will be your children. They will grow old and love the Lord all the days of their life, but that never would have happened if you would have died and went to hell. That was a download I got in 30 seconds, tears running down my eyes riding my bike because the gospel changes things. Changes futures, changes destinies. And God reminds me of the gospel every day. Christ in us, the hope of glory. My friends, you don't know that as you should. All of us can grow in the wisdom, in the knowledge of what it means to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. 
Oftentimes what you think is just your conscience is the Holy Spirit talking to you. Oftentimes what you think are just good ideas is the Holy Spirit talking to you. And you're ignoring it and you're not moving forward with it. You're not writing it down. You're not taking it serious. You're not exploring these ideas. And so you're letting some dimwit, some nincompoop do this instead of you. Instead of you understanding God is telling you something to go invent something, to go do something. But you see these worldly people discovered mainly by accident. And yet God is trying to give you the next MRI, which was invented by a Christian. He's trying to give you the next strategy to take over industry like he did with Sam Wall and Walmart. He's trying to give you the next creative invention, but you're not understanding where it's coming from, how the world is revolving around the gospel. And so what we need to do is take a step back and go, Paul, okay, you're praying for us that we may know God better. And we know if you keep asking, because Paul was persistent, that there's something here. I keep asking. I keep asking. I keep asking. What do you keep asking, Paul? That you get rich? No. That you just make a lot of money? No. That you just have a happy home? No. That you're healthy? No. That your kids go to college? No. I keep praying that you know God. I pray you know him with wisdom and revelation. Why? Because when you know him, you'll know yourself. You'll know your fellow man. You'll know your purpose. You'll know what this is. You'll know things that no one else can know. I'm ready for some new Christopher Columbuses. Say what you want about him. I understand there was some imperialism. There was some the colonialism. But say what you want, but I'm ready for people to discover things that they believe they got from God. I'm believing for people to start seeing an earth is round while everybody's saying it's flat. I'm believing for people to start saying that life's in the blood while everybody else is letting it out as they did during George Washington's time. I'm ready for people to see democracies where all they saw were kings and rulership. I'm ready for people to see industry in business where all people saw was coal. I'm ready for people to see happy homes and marriages where all people see is divorce, same-sex attractions, and a devil on every corner, a demon on every corner. I'm ready for some people to say this belongs to God. Inventive ideas, inventive businesses, mothers and fathers of Zion raising up their children to be king's kids. So how do we do it? Rachel, would you come to the keyboards, please? Everybody say we're going deep now. It's time to be like Jacques Cousteau. I'm going to teach you right now the ancient ways. Are you ready? You don't need yoga pants. You don't need to do the crooked chicken. You don't need a fortune cookie, but I will teach you the ancient ways of revelation and wisdom. I've got to say it like that to this generation because you guys get too often drawn in by ancient things. You know, it's ancient, and it's, oh, this comes from this people group. Oh, this is so amazing. Not even understanding if you were living during the time of most of those people groups, you would be their sex slave. Even some of you good-looking men, (laughs) they would take you as one of theirs. Come on. You're not even understanding this. Oh, I want to do what the Hindus do. If you would have been in, you ever watch Indiana Jones? They would have ripped your heart out. Some of them were cannibals worshiping their false demon gods. Oh, but I want to give this a try. Oh, I want to follow Buddhism. I saw saw Brad Pitt doing this. You would have been in the Chinese dynasty that took you all as sex slaves. Made you eunuchs, cut off your private parts, men, and make you serve the emperor. Oh, I want to try out this thing that comes from the Roman Empire, the Babylonian, the Egyptians. My friends, to hell with all 
things that come against God and his word. Those things are not what you need. What you need is the Bible and the ancient traditions of these people we call disciples. What they did day one, day one of the start of the church, the greatest organization on the planet, is they were filled with the Holy Spirit and started speaking in other tongues. They prayed in English and they prayed in tongues. You need to employ this ancient practice into your life. The second thing that our disciples did is they began to read the Word of God and confirm what they got in their times of prayer in English and in tongues. They began to study the Word. They began to investigate the Word. They saw that the earth was round. They saw that life was in the blood. They saw that all things could be discovered through science and the inductive method. They began to understand that charities could be done and change the world. That's why you don't see a Buddhist homeless shelter. Most of them not even in their own country. We as Christians still got to go to the Arab countries, the Buddhist countries, the African countries, the European ungodly countries, and do charity for them. Because they'll leave them right on the streets. Mother Teresa had to go and get the untouchables that their own people were fine with dying on the streets because they didn't deserve help. They found, you talk about Indiana Jones, they found in one of these demonic temples $3 billion worth of jewels and gems while people were dying. Are you listening to me? You learn how to pray, and you learn how to touch heaven with your spirit. You don't find your spirit in an x-ray, but you hear your spirit. That's how you know you're real. You're not an animal of instinct. You have thoughts. Some of your thoughts you don't like so much. But you're a person, and you need to learn to connect that person to the person of God. And then you start to study his word, and you start to hear, are my thoughts his thoughts? Are they lining up, or am I somewhere way off over here? And you start to line up. Mothers, line your thoughts up to the Holy Spirit and what he made you to be, a, a mother like Eve. Creators and inventors, you line up your thoughts and your spirit and you invent like they did in the times of the Bible. All those here that want to be warriors and you want to raise up and be governors and leaders and bring peace to this earth, you line your thoughts up. Not like dictators, not like Chairman Mao, not like the Mayans and the Incans, not like the Roman Caesars, not like the Greek gods or these men who thought they were gods in the Greek Empire. You line up your thoughts as leaders and governors to the thoughts of God. Read Abraham Lincoln's Day of Prayer and Fasting and you'll understand why slavery got set free in his generation. Then begin to meditate on God's word promise that he promised, directed by his love. So you've prayed, and as you were praying, what were you doing? You were thinking about God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, being grateful for the gospel, being mindful that Christ is in you, and understanding there is a kingdom to come. As you are praying in English, praying in the Spirit, God begins to speak. You start searching out those things. Now you find them in the Word of God. Now you start to meditate on those scriptures day and night. You are like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields your fruit in season. Your leaf does not weather, and whatever you do prospers. Wish I had bigger amen. You're going to be here for a little bit, amen. No, I'm kidding. I just want to put it up on the board so you didn't think I was making it up. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with Kanye West. 
Oprah Winfrey, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, or does not stand in the way of Mayweather or McGregor, or who does not stand in the way of false religions, who does not stand in the way of white supremacy, black power, who does not stand in the way of La Raza, who does not stand in the way of evolution, or sit in the seat of Bill Maher, sit in the seat of those who mock our God or sit in the seat of disgusting comedians who mock and do perverted things for money? Blessed are those who do not walk in the way of the wicked, stand in the way of the sinner, or sit in the company of the mocker, but their delight is on the law of the Lord. And they meditate on it day and night. How often do they meditate on the law of the Lord? day and night. got a brother here that does welding. He's welding and he's meditating on the word of the Lord. God has called me to be more than a conqueror. God has said that I'm blessed going in and blessed going out as he does his work. Brother here was plumbing. You know who he did the plumbing for today? Our governor, or this week, Governor Rauner. And he did it for Terrence from Empire, the actor there. Two high-profiling guys and he's cranking that wrench, meditating on the word of the Lord, waiting for a chance to tell somebody about Jesus. You are one chance away from changing a president, one opportunity from changing the world you live in. Be ready for it because you're in meditation. One idea, one idea, one meeting, one meeting. Put it, put it on the phone. Put the music on the phone. There it is, iPhone. One idea changes everything. One idea. Make it portable. Take the desktop. Make it portable. One idea. One idea. One idea. Put these two chemicals together. Use this as medicine. One idea. Cures come. One idea. Penicillin. One idea. Meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. They are like a tree planted by the streams of water who yield their fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. You begin to meditate, and then what do you do? You now live it out. For I am God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for me to do. Put it together right now. Put it together. I got to go quickly and closely now. You got to put it all together. Paul was praying that you would know God more in wisdom and revelation. So you say, yes, Lord. Every day I want to know the triune God, the gospel in which saves me, Christ who dwells in me, and the kingdom to come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Okay, that's what I'm setting my heart on. And then every day I'm going to make time to do these things right here. I'm going to pray. In English and in the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that as we start to demonstrate it. If you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can in this meeting. As God speaks, I study His Word. As the Word is given, I meditate on it day and night, and I live it out, and I start doing it. Can I hear an amen? Proverbs 25.2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. How many want to be like a king today and search out the matter? Let's close our eyes right now and do those four things. Begin to pray in English right now. Would you dim the lights for me, please? Let's set up an attitude right now of prayer to enter into the secret things of God. I keep asking that y'all get off the teat of this world and you get to know God. Come on, pray for things right now in your life as you begin to meditate on your God in your heart the gospel, Christ in you, and the kingdom to come. Right now, start to pray right now for God's wisdom. God's wisdom will be released in this place. Revelation will come. Light will be turned on. Light illumination will be turned on. 
Okay? Do it in English. Now let's do it in the Holy Spirit. Let's do it in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says we can pray with our mind and we can pray with our spirit. I want you to start praying right now in the Holy Spirit. If you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, all you have to do is ask the Lord to give you a heavenly language. The Spirit's going to pray through you what you could not understand. I like to call this the downloads of heaven. I'm not weird. I'm just wired into heaven. This is a modern example of how to understand it. Remember when we used to have to do dial-up and you'd get connected to DSL? It would make those funny noises. Boom, boom, boom. That was information. That was the sound of data. I believe that's a good way for you to understand this. God wants to download data to your spirit right now as you start to speak in other tongues. Paul spoke in tongues. The disciples spoke in tongues. This is an ancient practice to receive the downloads of heaven. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, just raise your hands, confess Jesus is Lord, and I'll pray for you right now to receive. As I pray, listen to your spirit and then pray the sounds of heaven. Get dialed in right now. We're not weird. We're just wired to heaven. Be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues right now. It doesn't have to sound like mine or your neighbor's. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. The Bible says the mind doesn't understand, but the spirit prays. They don't speak English in heaven. The angels speak a language similar to what you're hearing right now. In Jesus' name. Come on, dial it up. Jesus. I've prayed in languages like this twice, and people from India understood what I was saying. We don't even know how God can use these languages, but we know they're powerful. The apostles were baptized in it. The disciples received it. Now what we're going to do is we're going to go a little bit deeper and don't get weirded out, but the Bible says if you look up, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. So what we're going to do now is make up a little song in English, remembering what works for children's works for adults. Children's brains develop so fast, it's a mystery to science, and part of what they have to do is what we're doing right now, singing to themselves and we're going to sing as unto God but we're going to sing it to just to ourselves and God give yourself a melody right now in the heart give God your heart right now and he'll put a melody in you and just start to sing it out right now your brain is going to get developed with the spiritual things of heaven. They have found out that singing does about 20 things for your physiological body but it goes deeper into the spirit when you do it with God Come on, just a childlike song in your heart right now. Sing it out. Just a melody. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I love you. There's no one like you. I used to think I was weird until I understood these passages in the Bible. I was eight years old singing songs to God by myself. My daughter's uh, eight years old. She's already wrote two songs. This is natural. We're the one that stop it. Let it flow right now. Childlike wonder. Childlike wonder. Focus on the Trinity and let God give you a song right now. Focus on the gospel. Come on, let God give you a song. Whoa. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Now, come on, next level, next level. Turn it into the song of the Spirit. 
with your tongues of angels right now. With your tongues of angels. Some of you who know the Bible may say, well, if we're not interpreting it, why are we doing it in public? No, the Bible says that's only when it's meant to be a message. This is not meant to be a message for anyone. This is prayer. Just like your prayer was private in English, now it's private in tongues. Now sing it in tongues. We may be doing this a little bit fast right now, but this is the Holy Ghost exercise. We are exercising our spirit. We want wisdom. We want revelation. Jesus. Okay, now on your own, pick one of those four things. Pray in English, sing in English. Pray in the Spirit, sing in the Spirit, and let God take your mind to a place right now. Come on, let it go to your job. If God starts putting your job in your heart, go there and just keep praying as he leads you there. If he puts your heart towards your family, go there. He's going to start revealing things to you right now. I just don't preach this. We demonstrate it. He's going to start revealing wisdom to you right now. If you're a doctor, start to put yourself in the lab right now. Come on, let God start to reveal things to you. Let God start revealing things to you. Jesus. Jesus. The God of heaven and earth. A new scientific revolution. New art. New technology. New government. Let it be formed here and now. Let it be formed here and now. You think this government's an example? It should be. It's an example of a democracy. Like I said, better or worse, it is the best example of what God can do in a nation. Look at them before they signed the Declaration of Independence. They were praying on their knees. Come on, revelation. Come on. Revelation. Why do you think the North won the war, the Civil War? I could keep you here all day. Come on. God was with the North. God was blessing them. Why do you think it, the Civil Rights Movement got pushed through? Reverend Martin Luther King didn't lift up a sword. They were spraying them down with hoses. They were singing and praying and worshiping. And when they went out, God gave them methods and ideas. Right now, come on. More, Lord, more. Now, this is what I want you to do. If God gave you something, I want you this week to then find it in the Scripture. If you need help, that's why we do discipleship here. And so every day you're going to make time to pray, but you're not going to pray without expectation. You're going to pray expecting God to move. So you're literally coming there in your mind's eye to these problems or situations that you have, and you're ready for God to speak, and then you're going to go find it in the Word. You're going to go find it in the Bible, and Scriptures will stick out to you and God's saying, that's it. I want you to hold on to this. I'm going to give you the next idea for aviation. And it's just this simple scripture. I'm there with you in the heights. And this is your scripture. And every time you go to your job and you think about adding new wings or different elevators to the wings and these things of aviation, you're going to have a word in your heart that I'm with you in the heights. Okay? And then what you're going to begin to do is you're going to start meditating on that every day. Is you're going to say, God... 
Two weeks ago when I was praying, you gave me an inventive idea with planes. You showed me in the word that you're with me in the heights. And God, it's not coming easy. So every day I'm going to meditate on that word you've given me and let you fill my heart with ideas. That's what you're going to do. And that's how God will speak. He'll get you prepared. Some of these ideas will come quickly. Some will take time. And then lastly, what we're all going to do is we're going to go out there. Look at what it says. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we're then going to start working it and putting it into practice. And it may not always work, and it may not come always from our, from our hands. It may inspire somebody else to do it and then come by their way. But we're not going to stop going towards that goal. The way it works in the kingdom is the way it works on your job. Same exact way. The Christian Business Association started with some businessmen in Manhattan taking time on their lunches to start praying. I, I dare some of you businessmen that want to roll big to read about them. They shut down Manhattan and started having revival. And God prospered them and brought them out of the Great Depression. Some of y'all just don't know stories enough. You just think this is the way it is. Y'all just don't get it. You need to understand where God's hand has been in history. Like I said before, you need to understand why you're not wearing a swastika right now. You need to understand that. There's been a lot of people that have tried to take us out so that you couldn't have the freedom to do what you're doing right now. And so we need to take advantage of what has been laid before us and understand these are the greatest days ahead. These are the greatest days. I want the glory. The Bible says the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. This is what I literally will believe. If you want to know my end time theology, here it is. I literally believe the church will so dominate in the end times that it will see a national and worldwide revival because God wants more to go to heaven than he wants to perish. And at that moment when we get raptured, there'll be some people left, maybe a half a billion, two, I mean a two billion, three billion, half of the population now. And they will use all of our technologies. They will use all of our things and they will start worshiping demons, the Antichrist, all of that. And then judgment will come and we will take it over and establish what we were meant to have for the thousand year reign of Christ. So in my mind, the best inventions are coming right now. In my mind, the most amount of wealth is coming right now. I literally believe that America can become a Christian nation. Like literally, right now, African nations are starting out of revolution and they're starting to establish godly principles on which we used to do. I'm telling you, there may be a nation in Africa like, uh, like one of these that just, of course, slipped my mind. Oh, not Zimbabwe, but one of them is, I mean, the president is speaking in tongues and praying over his nation. They are standing against the, the forces of evil. They're being attacked by Muslims, but they're saying our nation belongs to God. I'm saying they can become the next empire. They could become something amazing in our generation because God's going to start blessing people like that. I think the greatest revival of the Muslims is still ahead of us. I really believe that. I believe we need to defeat them militarily, but establish churches in those regions. In the Middle East, you see, if I would have told you 50 years ago China would have the largest church in the world, you would laugh at me. But right now, China has more Christians there than anywhere other, uh, other place on the world. They could overcome their government like we did in Rome and change that to a Christian nation just like that. I'm telling you. 
See, I believe great things are still coming. Do not cash in your ticket to heaven right now. Heaven's wanting to come to earth. That was Jesus' prayer. Amen? If our founding fathers or anybody you look up to ever would have said, it's over, stop looking for medical cures, we would be in a mess right now. Godly people had to reach beyond the veil of human limitation and pull those things, those heavenly ideas out. Heaven knows how to cure cancer. Heaven knows Heaven knows how to bring peace in governments. Heaven knows how to do that. Heaven knows how to fix the problems of our school systems. Do you all understand that heaven knows how for principles to be great principles? It's time. It's time. Are you all ready for this? Let's stand up and give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Let's get ready to go. Amen. Altar workers band, would you come please? Looking by your faces, I wouldn't think you're very excited. Some of you, yes. Others of you, more tired, I guess. But I want you to leave out today with the power of the gospel. Father, we're ready to dismiss. I pray you send us out with your power. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Give it up for Jesus today. We love you. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. Otherwise, you are dismissed. I think some should come up and just have some of your ideas prayed over. Otherwise, have a great week at Life Groups. We love you. Come on, let's dream big. Whoever wants to worship, stay with us. We call this the after party. We're going to keep going after God. Take some time out if you need it. Anything we can pray for, we'll love to pray. Jesus, Jesus, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. You, little old you, come on, come on, I want to pray with you. Yes, you. Jesus, nations belong to the Lord. 
Our high schools belong to the Lord. Our families belong to the Lord. The Lord just put in my heart the nation of Japan where her family is a missionary. I'm believing that nations are going to come to the Lord in this generation. Those of you who are worshiping with us, would you call out a nation that you believe God can send revival to? That God can transform the whole economy, the whole government. Would you believe with me right now it's able, that our God is able in this after party to save the Middle East, depose of these dictators for Muslim lands to become Christian again. All those lands where Muslims are used to be Christian. Egypt used to be Christian. Northern Africa used to be Christian. Syria used to be Christian. These are the places where the Bible is, by the way. Syria, Jesus, Jesus. We pray for revival in these nations right now. We pray for revival, God, in India. Thomas was a missionary that went to India. That was one of the disciples of Jesus. Right now, Lord, big dreams and visions for these nations. And we pray for our nation right now. Just like during the 60s and 70s, during the drug revolution, during the time of the Vietnam War, political corruption, civil rights, God, things broke loose in the church. Revivals began to happen around the land. Multiple church planning organizations started. Many big businesses that were charitable-minded started. But we've lost our way since then. We were given mercy during that time of the 60s, but we've gone back. So I pray for revival right now, Lord, among our young people, among our high schools, among the, the homosexual culture, the drug culture. God, we pray for the movers and shakers downtown, for those that are doing all the big business, for them to start prayer meetings in the afternoons, for Christian businessmen to begin to unite and have visions and dreams of what God can do in this city. We pray for modern-day Moody's to raise up, modern-day revivalists in the name of Jesus. Come on, just sing out. I hear the sound of heaven. And I hear the sound of heaven. Sing it out. And I hear the sound of heaven. Yes, Lord, I hear the sound of heaven coming. The sound of revival. Sound of revival. I hear the sound of heaven. I hear the sound of heaven. Yes, I hear the sound today. I hear the sound of heaven. Come on, one more time. I hear the sound. And I hear the sound of heaven. And it's the sound of revival. It's the sound, and it's the sound of revival. It's the sound, and it's the sound of revival. Come on, I hear the sound, and I hear the sound, I hear the sound of heaven. Do you hear the sound today? Do you see it in your heart? 
Jesus, Jesus, make us faithful with little. How many of you in this after party would be honest right now and you would say, I just have a little, but I want to be faithful with it. Would you meet me at these altars? If there's anybody at this time that would say, Pastor, I got just a little, but I'm willing to be faithful with it. I'm going to pray with you right now for God to start giving you much. Amen. Young people, come on. Anybody else? Those who are here, just raise up your hands and say, I don't have much, but I give you what I got. Come on. And I don't have much, but I give you what Sing it out. I don't have much. I don't have much, but I Use me to change the world. Use me to change the world. Come on, I don't have a lot. Yeah. I don't have much, but I give you what I got. Yes, Lord. I don't have much, but I give you what I got. Yes. And I don't have much, but I Use me to change the world. 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 Just the drums. I don't have much, but I give you what I got. I don't have much, but I give you what I got. Come on, let's sing it out. I don't have much, but I give you what. to change the world one more time use me every young person every old person come on raise up your hands you say I don't have a lot but I give you what I got right now just receive right now in the name of Jesus a promotion a promotion a promotion in the spirit a promotion in the spirit God says, I see your labor. I see your hard work. More is coming into you to go through you. There is a promotion. The hungry will be filled. Come on, there's a promotion for you of the Spirit. The Bible says those who hunger and thirst are filled. Those who get hungry for the change are given opportunities to do it. There's a promotion for you. I'm speaking it over every person. There is a promotion for you. God is seeing your faith. God is seeing your heart of hunger to come up here and to pray, to be in this after party. It's not a coincidence. All of you, a promotion. Be faithful with little, and God will give you much. God will make you fruitful. 
God will multiply you. God will use you. Bigger than your dreams. Bigger than anything you've ever thought of before. I'm hearing in my heart right now ideas of business. The woman who came up with Spanx is a multi-billionaire right now. One idea, she wanted to transform the way women wear pantyhose. Billion dollar idea. Boom. Right there. Ideas come right now. Lord, do it. New ideas. New businesses right now. New novels. Woman got Harry Potter riding on a train. There's a new novel coming in somebody's heart. Let it be yours. Writers, artists, right now, in Jesus' name. Whitney Houston, raised up in the church. Musicians, raised up in the church. Come on. Arts belong to the Lord. Creativity. Business. Managerial success. I've watched blue-collar millionaires on MSNBC. Almost every one of the blue-collar millionaires started off working for somebody, but they did it so well that they were able either to take over that business or to start a similar business and took over parts of the industry. A man was doing tile work, sticks out in my mind. He was from Israel, came here with nothing. He had a little truck. He did tiles. One day, a guy came to him and said, here's a truck of tiles. Can you get rid of them? He said, yeah, I know other tile workers. He sold it, started the business. Now he's the biggest distributor of tiles. Come on, that needs to be a Christian. You're next. You're next. Promotion. I don't have much, but I give you what I got. I don't have much, but I give you what I got. few more times I don't have much God in your heart right now just surrender it I surrender my bank account I surrender my career I surrender my talents I want to be ready when the opportunity comes I don't want to hold on to anything too tightly God oh, I give you what I got use me change Right now, God. Right now, God. Do it, Lord. Do it, God. I believe it, Lord. Would everybody look up at me that's praying here? There was once a pastor, some of you know this story, but he has people come up and pray like this for big things with a big God. And he went around and said to him, he said, what are you praying for? What are you praying for? What are you praying for? And one person, she said, well, I'm not praying for really anything in particular. And he says, then you'll receive nothing in particular. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. We need to start being specific. Now, I don't know, but do you know somebody somewhere that every week puts something up on a board that seems bigger than what you could possibly imagine? Do you know of a place, maybe it's a church that says every week we're going to do something with 100,000 disciples. Are you getting my point here with 50 churches, 500 around the world? You know why? Because I felt God told me to put that up and dream big. Go home today and find a word in the word for you. Dream big and start praying particular prayers. Start praying a particular prayer. Because when 100,000 comes our way, it won't be an accident. My wife heard me talking about 
some of the discouragements that I have as a pastor. And she showed me this thing from Disney World. Walt Disney died before it ever got built, but he put all the plans in place. And when it was built, they were interviewing his wife. And they said to her, boy, wouldn't it just be something if Walt Disney was here so he could see it? She said, if he wouldn't have saw it first, nobody would have seen it now. See, he saw it here first. You see, I see a church of 100,000 here. What do you see in your heart? What do you want God to use you to do now? And you set out on that goal. And he'll give you wisdom. It won't cost you your children's happiness. Sometimes people strive so hard, even in good things, but they sacrifice their children. Like Steve Jobs, we talked about before, didn't have a good relationship with any of his children. We're not looking for it that way. We're not sacrificing family and morals and character for success, for money, right? So God's going to give us the right ideas and the right ways. And I'm just reminded of pastors that I've heard their stories over the years. And I'm telling you, you just don't know who you're looking at right now. I know it sounds like a silly example, Spanx, but I think about this because I watch, you know, Shark Tank and these shows, and they were talking about her, dude. She just wanted the pantyhose to fit better. She made her own, a multi-billion dollar business. I mean, the ideas that God can give us. Now, I hope she does that for the Lord, because otherwise, what do we talk about? In the end, she loses it. But we know where the idea come from. Who gave her that idea? God, you guys don't want to say it because it was pantyhose. God cares about pantyhose. What does the Bible say? Every good and perfect gift comes from above, the Father of lights, in whom there is no shifting shadow. I don't care if it's a, what do they call it, stick it, a tabby thing. What do they call those things? Post it. Thank you. That was an idea from God. Anything that is good, you just, anything that's good comes from God, comes from God, comes from God. God wants you to be successful. Amen? Lord, I thank you for this after party. They stuck out, stuck later around today to do something great for you. I pray we all keep dreaming big and speaking your word and seeing what you do in and through our lives, Lord. If we're patient in the process, you will make us productive and fruitful for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Give it up for Jesus. Slap your high five. Slap your neighbor high five. The same one do big things with a big God. Big things with a big God. Big things with a big God. Thank you. Big things with a big God. I'm so serious.